0: This is Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. Your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 95, presentation too long? Build it like Lego, with our guest, accredited speaker, Freddie Doctrum. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters. We have a special treat today. We have Freddie Doctrum. She's from Lethbridge, Alberta. She's got over 30 years of experience helping people build their lives, their careers, retirement futures. She has a slew of designations, including Registered Retirement Consultant, Professional Retirement Planner, Certified Career Development Practitioner. She's a member of CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, and a whole lot more. She's been a professional speaker for more than 20 years, delivering keynotes, workshops, professional development, and train-the-trainer sessions which I can say that I've had a pleasure of being a part of. Some of her real interesting keynotes include Not All the Monkeys Are in the Zoo, The Chosen Frozen, Surviving and Thriving Life in the Arctic. There's certainly a theme here. She's been a Toastmaster for over 15 years. She obtained her Distinguished Toastmaster designation in 2009. And of course, she's also won numerous Toastmaster awards. Without further ado, let's head over to my conversation with accredited speaker, distinguished Toastmaster, Freddie Doctrum. Hi, Freddie, and it's great to speak with you again.
1: Hello, Greg. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to speak with you as well.
0: (laughs) This is your first guest appearance on Toastcaster, podcast for Toastmasters, but we did interview as a newly minted accredited speaker back in November for the Toastmasters International podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Freddie, and I had a great conversation, of course we will give you we will give you some information a little later and also put it into the show notes where you can hear about our interview with original interview with Freddie as she achieved her accredited speaker and her journey and it's quite an interesting journey, so I do encourage everyone to check it out when we had our conversation. One of the things that came to mind was the fact that quite often we end up with a lot more material that we can use, and more specifically, I believe that. Freddie's presentation was probably originally more than an hour, and she had to trim it down to about 20 minutes. And so we thought it would be a really, really great idea to have a future conversation about that. I can recall people doing their first Toastmaster icebreaker speech, where the time is four to six minutes. Some of them I've seen in excess of 10. Freddie, tell us a little bit about the original presentation you had, and then perhaps how you had to cut that down.
1: Well, thank you for asking, Greg. In 2015, when I presented in Las Vegas, my uh, accredited speaker speech, I had taken a keynote that I had delivered many, 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 many times and thought I had done a brilliant job of editing it down to the 20-minute time slot that we were given. At that time, I wasn't a very good editor because I fell into the trap that many people fall into, and that is... I fell in love with some of my words, and I fell in love with some of my stories, and how on earth could I give up that story? I like the story. However, in its new environment of a 20-minute presentation, that story didn't fit. It was no longer relevant, and that was a lesson that I learned in my 2015 attempt. I wasn't successful and a lot of it was because the editing wasn't done well or properly or as cleanly as it could. That was when I started the journey on how to edit material. My original keynote had been between 60 and 70 minutes. And it was well-received. People loved it. You know, People would laugh. They would cry. They would embrace a neighbor. It was a wonderful, wonderful keynote. And how do you take that and then bring it down to 20 minutes and still keep all of the elements. That was a real challenge.
0: You speak faster, right? I've seen speakers do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, that's not necessarily effective. Some of the things that I learned is, as far as pacing, I have learned that a really good pace for myself and others to speak is around that 100 words a minute. And especially if you're speaking to an audience with whom not everyone has English as their first language. If you're speaking to a diverse or international audience, it's important to pace yourself in your words so that they can hear. We can only hear at certain rates. I don't know about you, Greg, but I'm guessing you've been in those situations where somebody is speaking their native language, you know, English, Spanish, French, German, whatever it is, and they're speaking very, very rapidly. And even if you comprehend the language, you have no idea what they're saying.
0: No, absolutely.
1: Speaking quickly isn't a good way to make up for crummy editing. What I learned was that, number one, there is no sacred cows in material. There is no story that can't be cut. There is no words that cannot be replaced with a better word. When I was doing my preparation for the 2017 accredited speaker, what I did is that I took content from a workshop that was between three and six hours. I took the content from the workshop and crafted a keynote. And so it was a form of editing, but even by doing that, As I was preparing, there were stories that I was in love with and special people that I wanted to include. And the feedback that I got was, nope, you've got to get rid of that. Nope, it's not doing anything for your speech. And that was hard because one of the stories I had to get rid of was about my grandmother. Oh, dear. Now, laughingly, we say, yep, you had to, you know, you had to gas granny. You had to get rid of granny out of your speech. (laughs) And the thing was, it's a lovely story. And in an hour keynote, it fits well. In a 20-minute presentation, unfortunately, granny didn't make the cut. Editing is certainly challenging and it's difficult. But the number one rule that I believe is that, first of all, do not fall in love with any words, stories, phrases, etc. Because everything that goes into the presentation is there for the presentation and it's for the audience. Keeping extraneous things out is very, very important. Everything has to fit together and be powerful for the point and the purpose of your speech. So that was an editing lesson that I
0: learned. That sounds a little tough sometimes. You'd mentioned that a good pace would be 100 words per minute. What would that equate to? If someone is talking to someone on the phone or they're having a conversation around the coffee machine, the coffee maker, what rate would they be speaking?
1: Most commonly, people are in the 120 to 140, 120 to 140 words per minute. So if you and I were talking on the phone and we're just relaxed and everything, all of a sudden we're going to amp up because we get excited and going like, oh, wow, Greg, it is just so great to speak with you. That's about 140 words a minute.
0: So I'm assuming auctioneers are probably, what, double that, triple that?
1: Wow, some of them are so talented. I don't know what numerical count you would give them, but some of them, sometimes I wonder, are they even saying words? Are they just making noise? I don't know, because I cannot hear at the same rate that they can speak.
0: No kidding. I mean, it's hard enough to remember all the presentation. It's hard to remember all the content from a presentation, even on a five to seven minute speech.
1: Well, there's tricks for that as well. One of the things that I do is I teach what I call comfortable communication classes and I show people how it's like Lego building a speech is like Lego and you've got all of your pieces you've got your blue pieces your red pieces your yellow pieces your white pieces and so when you're building a speech You put all the pieces out. So you figure out, well, here's some stories. Here's some transitions. Here's the points that I want to make. And you start with your points, which is your structure. And then under your points, okay, what is, you know, what is the purpose that I'm making this point? What is the information or inspiration that I want to provide for this point? What is the example? Or the story that I want to have? And do I have any references that I want to include? And so these are all Lego bits. So for editing, if you're wanting to make something bigger, you add more pieces of Lego. If you're needing to cut, and especially if a meeting planner says, hey, instead of that 45 minutes, our CEO went over time and now you've got 25 minutes What do you do? Well, you just go back to your Lego model and you look at it and you start pulling out Lego bits. And that is what I've discovered is the secret to editing. So number one, you don't fall in love with anything because they're just all Lego pieces. And you know what structure you're wanting to build. And so you pull in the pieces that are going to build the best structure that you can. And if somebody comes along and says, hey, you need to remove pieces of your structure, you just look and go, "Okay, this Lego bit goes off here and this Lego bit goes off there. And it works brilliantly.
0: That's interesting. I've heard people say, well, we'll just pull the last story. And I'm thinking, well, it kind of defeats the purpose. Would you not maybe just modify that story or do something different with it?
1: Possibly, which is also why we all need to have story files that maybe this story is a two-minute story, but you have to cut it down to one minute. So do you have an edited version of that story, or should you be pulling in a different story to fill that slot? That's why I metaphorically call it my Lego bits, because some Legos are one lump and some are two lumps. And so just being able to easily pull in a different version of the story or a completely different story to fill that spot.
0: Oh, I never thought of that. That's actually quite clever because I was thinking, I know that you and I were chatting offline and I've seen it happen before. You're asked originally to prepare a 45 minute keynote. Now in a perfect world, they would come back to you and say, well, we have a change in the schedule. We only need you to do 25 minutes or we only need you to do 35 minutes. But sometimes something happens during the day, during the event. And then all of a sudden it's like you're going up there and they say, oh, by the way, Freddie, we we don't have 45 minutes. We have to End early. We got to catch a plane. What have you? Mm-hmm. It's got to be twenty-five.
1: By having your presentation crafted, and I, I, I don't talk about writing presentations. I talk about crafting, because it's that's more in depth, and it's more. I think I believe it's got more more passion in it if you're crafting something. Because as speakers, we are crafts people, right? It is our speech is our craft. So when you're crafting your presentation, by having it done. In the Lego bits, so you have your structure. It's sort of the anatomy of a speech. So you've got your skeleton, which is, these are the points that I need to make. This is what I'm speaking about. This is my assigned topic, or this is my area of expertise. So here's my points. Now, if I suddenly get 20 minutes cut off, okay, maybe this entire point is removed with all of its attendant Lego bits. And maybe I'm only going to have a two point presentation rather than a three point or four point presentation. And by making everything modular, that is where you can also the other scenario, Greg, is they came and they come and say, "Uh, you know, Freddie, we originally had 45 minutes, but guess what? You now have an hour. You now have 15 extra minutes that you need to fill with good quality material, you know, keeping the audience engaged without making it sound like you're just droning on and on and on and on because you got this extra 15 minutes. Again, by doing the the modular structure, you can just bring in another point with all the Lego bits attached. So editing goes both ways. It's not just always cutting. Sometimes it's adding as
0: well. I just had a little epiphany here. I just realized something. Based on what you're saying, it's not really about adjusting the content. It's really about what do I need to do to get my point across in the amount of time that I have available.
1: Absolutely.
0: I was going to say that's an interesting perspective.
1: Anytime we're speaking, the very first thing I believe we should think about is what is my purpose, right? What is my purpose right now for speaking? Is it to educate? Is it to inform? Is it to entertain? Is it to just do a project? So I get credit in the manual, right? But (laughs) what is your purpose? Because your purpose becomes your driving force. And then from that purpose, then you say, okay, if this is my purpose that I'm wanting to educate you about how to put together a speech. So that's my purpose. Now every point I make supports that purpose. And within every point, I'm going to have an information or a piece of inspiration. I'm going to have a reference. I'm going to have resources for you. I'm going to have an example or a story that supports it. So that point then becomes a unit. It's made up of all the little sub pieces. The next point I'm going to make is going to have those same elements. It's just being built like a structure. It's like stacking up blocks but everything is supporting the purpose that you originally set out for with your presentation does that make sense to you greg
0: oh it does it's funny because when i'm thinking about building a speech and editing a speech i'm thinking about the different lines the words the the pauses the gestures the vocal variety and what you're saying is is really look at the big picture and see what the end result's going to be all about
1: Correct. But your pieces are important as well, because part of the Lego bits are staging. Where am I going to be standing here? It's the choreography of speaking. So those become bits within the points and pieces as well. So the vocal variety is important. The staging is important. The gestures are important. The pauses are important. And if you also have you know PowerPoint or something like that, that's important. And these are all bits and pieces that come together to form the entire presentation. So a pause is a piece of Lego as well. Wow.
0: That's actually pretty interesting. Now you're talking about building the pieces. Out of curiosity, with your original keynote that you had that was 60 to 70 minutes, you had mentioned initially where you had a challenge of bringing it down to that 20. How did you go about deconstructing what you had to be able to Trim it down to twenty minutes.
1: I'm a very visual person and I work best if I can see things. I don't necessarily spend too much time in my head. I you know, write it down. And so how I craft keynotes is I take a big long strip of ground paper or you know newspaper roll and I put it on the wall. Oh, okay. And I draw lines. Here's a piece of my speech, here's a piece of my speech. And then because I love office supplies and I've got sticky notes that are different colors and different shapes or whatever. And every color and shape means something different. What I did with my original 70 minute key, 60, 70 minute keynote is that I deconstructed it on my big brown sheet of paper. It took up an entire wall in my office and I had my sticky notes and you'll here's a story. Okay. Here's a piece of humor. Here's a pause. And I had everything on the wall. But there was pieces of it that I was in love with and I hadn't learned the discipline of sometimes you've got to set it free. That's what I did. And then basically I just started pulling sticky notes off. Okay, this is not going to be there. Pull it off. This is not going to be there. And so then you would find a section that all of a sudden was very weak because it didn't have any of the sticky notes left on it. So then that whole section gets cut.
0: You're basically going to your storyboard as opposed to just trying and doing the speech and say, OK, that doesn't fit. OK, we can make this shorter. That's interesting.
1: Yes, I started with the storyboard and also I didn't get enough input from other people. I just sort of flew on my own wings as to what I thought sounded good. And I'd record myself and listen to myself and thought, well, that's pretty good. And, and that story's my favorite story and it stays in. So now you know, what I did for the 2017 presentation is all of the information in the workshops. And what I did is I got my storyboard out. I got my big piece of brown paper and I says, OK, here's the points I want to make. I crafted a model. It was the pill model. So here's here's your point. OK, purpose. Here's your point. Identity. Here's your point. Legacy. Here's your point. Legend. And then I crafted, built the supports for each one of those points. And even still, I'd still fought with keeping my granny's story in. But at the end, I got feedback from everybody. Great story, but it doesn't fit. It doesn't add value to your presentation. It had to go.
0: That happened to be in a humorous speech contest. I had reworked a speech that I had done many, many years ago. And it was my sort of, I guess I want to call it signature story. But at the end, as hard as it was... Again, I got feedback from people. I says, Greg, it's a great story. It's phenomenal. It just does not fit. If you keep it in, you're just going to go over time.
1: Yeah. And there's nothing more humiliating than going over time. (laughs) Another piece with this editing is it's sometimes it's the details. Sometimes people want to keep in details that they believe are important or are important to them but they just are not important to the audience i've been doing some coaching with some of the international speech contestants you know that's one of the things that i've been working on with a, a particular individual it's the details important to you but it adds no value to the speech and what it does is it takes up about 4 seconds of very valuable time that you absolutely need to gain in order to stay within the time frames Sometimes we get detail-itis. We think that every niggly little detail is absolutely important. It isn't. It just isn't.
0: Could you give us an example of one thing that someone might think, oh, this is important, but really isn't?
1: Here's, here's what I was wearing that day. I was wearing my favorite red shoes, and I had on a pair of cut-off jeans, and I thought I looked really great. Well, that's fine, but if that is not important to the point or the story, it really doesn't matter what you were wearing. But if it is important to the story because it turns out it was about your red shoes or your cut-off jeans, then you need to keep it in. But if it isn't relevant, you have to take it out.
0: You brought up a good point because sometimes people will add this to create some imagery, right? Sometimes you use imagery to reduce the amount of written word. Yes, That's another technique I understand that is quite often used.
1: Absolutely. I'm not saying that imagery is not important. For example, if you say, The phone rang and I picked it up and I put it to my ear, gesture it rather than say it. And you can usually gesture picking up the phone and putting it to your ear more quickly than you can speak it. And that's where, you know, the visual aspect, the gesturing, can be part of that editing. And that's why gestures are part of my Lego pieces. So instead of having two sentences, I just elegantly reach out, pick up the phone, and show, holding it to my ear, then commence the conversation in the presentation.
0: And because it's universal, everybody gets the message and you don't have to say a word.
1: Correct. There are some gestures that are universal. There are some that are not. And so that then speaks to the point of knowing your audience you know, never make assumptions about an audience. Always do research. Find out about your audience. Find out, are there any hot buttons? Has there been something going on in that association or company that, woo, everybody's on edge about? Has something happened in the world? You know, sometimes we have some horrendous events that go on, and we've certainly had one here in Western Canada, that, you know, everybody is sensitive. And so, As a presenter, you need to be sensitive to that and make sure that you're not inadvertently treading on some of these very, very sensitive areas. That's also where editing comes in, because based on your research, then you would maybe put one story in and take one out. Or maybe you wouldn't talk about this particular thing, because you don't know who's in the audience.
0: Yeah, that's true. How would you recommend people perhaps use visual aids as a way of reducing their content or a way of sort of trimming down the material that they have?
1: I think an appropriate prop or visual aid can absolutely add power to a presentation. When I'm doing my Anukshuk presentation, I have these giant rocks And people see them as the giant rocks. And at the end of the presentation, I have a handful of large polished stones. And so it's that continuity. And then when I take the stones and I just start tossing them, I don't say anything. I'm just throwing the stones. And it is the image of throwing away people in your life. So I don't have to say when I start throwing the stones what is happening because people get it. It's Same as if you're using PowerPoint, instead of words, what about a picture? A picture speaks so, so well. A you know, picture of a flower, a scene, a familiar thing. Maybe it's the Eiffel Tower when you're talking about love. So the visual nature of sighted people is very, very powerful. Now, what if in your audience you happen to have people that are not sighted? Well, that's where your research comes in, and then you would be using language rather than visual aids.
0: That leads me nicely into my next question, which is going to be, are there times where it's imperative that you include something? As much as you're tempted to trim it, that you have to include that information because it could be either misunderstood or misconstrued?
1: Absolutely. And that's why editing is a two-way street, and, and editing is very, very difficult. If you have audience members that don't have the gift of sight, then you need to be very clear and descriptive with your language. If you have audience members that do not have the gift of hearing, then the visual aspects are important, as well as if there is a translator, then you have to speak at a pace that the translator can keep up with your, your words so that they can sign to the hearing-impaired individual. So knowing your audience is absolutely critical because this all gets back to this editing idea as well.
0: Absolutely. There's all the jargon and the acronyms that people try to use to save time and effort, but then people might be very confused.
1: You know, I spent a number of years working for the government, and it was jargon RF. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, again, if you know your audience, if everybody knows the the jargon or the short language or whatever, that's perfectly fine. If you are using jargon, though, and it's something that is pertinent to the point that you are making in your presentation, then just explain it. If you're saying, well, you know, like so-and-so PDQ, and you say what that means is pretty darn quick. Okay, so then next time you say PDQ, pretty darn quick. After about three times of saying what the shortened form means, then you can use it throughout your presentation because they're going like, oh, yeah, that means pretty darn quick.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Now, most people out there are probably not in a situation where they have to take a an hour presentation and trim it down to 20. My guess is if you look at Toastmasters or even just small speeches or just even managers that are just giving a little presentation to their Mm -hmm. their people or leaders that are offering some news for their organization, well, perhaps they need to put a message together and they've written what comes out to be 15 or 20 minutes and they've only got maybe 7 to 10. Are there any little things that they can do? I understand the, the Lego concept, but are there any tips or tricks or things that they could do while they're creating that so they can right away figure out, okay, this is where I can start to trim. This is where I can make sure I can get down to that time that i have
1: that's always a challenge but my thought about that is that first of all know exactly what your purpose is what is the message that no matter what has to get out so if you're speaking to your managers or you're speaking to your staff what is the message that absolutely has to get out that becomes the core that's the center point around which everything is built yes you're going to have an opening yes you're going to have a closing but the body of your presentation is going to be that absolute critical piece of information from that You can then go to what's number two, what's number three. And so you're building your presentation and you're sifting. It's like panning for gold. You've got to make sure that you've got your nuggets there. And if you've got room for a couple of other pebbles, that's fine. But, you know, get rid of all of the dross. Get rid of all of the leavings. And so if it's an extraneous piece of information, get rid of it unless you know you've got time to put it in. Some stuff is really nice to know. But if you've got timeframes, you have to cover the need to know first and plan for the need to know. And if you then have room to insert little bits that keeps it within your time frame, then you can add them in or you can save them for the next time. That really is how I do the structuring and editing. Everything's a piece.
0: So what you're saying is really start with the takeaway in mind and then work your way down from there.
1: You know, I love how you phrase that. Yes. It's sort of like, uh, Stephen Covey. Yes, Stephen Covey, of course. (laughs) But you're right. You know, what is it that is absolutely critical that you want your audience to take away? What do you want them thinking, knowing, doing, saying, achieving that's the core.
0: Well, Freddie, thank you very much for sharing some of the perils, the pain and purpose of of editing material. And in, in the essence of time, I really don't want to have to trim any of this out. So with that note, if you could just let people know where they could get a hold of you.
1: Well, thank you, Greg. It's been my pleasure. I'm available through Freddie at freddyspeaks.com. I'm on Facebook under Freddie Speaks and uh, on my website, freddyspeaks.com. You've got a great way of getting in touch with me. Be more than happy to have conversations with whoever wants to know the secrets of good editing.
0: And that's Freddie F-R-E-D-D-I, Correct. That's awesome. Freddie Doctrum, Distinguished Toastmaster, accredited speaker. Thank you so much for being on the program.
1: My pleasure, Greg. I thank you.
0: If you enjoyed our conversation with Freddie Doctrum, you might want to check out toastmasterspodcast.com, episode 130. In that episode, we speak with Freddie about her journey to achieving her accredited speaker designation. It's a great conversation. It's a great story. I'm sure you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps. With our ratings, plus also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies, a new book by Greg Gazin. Geared to ages 8 to 80, whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, This short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.